0: Welcome to The Cannabis Question, a marijuana science and culture podcast broadcasting from the state of Pennsylvania to the rest of the nation and the world. My name's Scott, I'm your host, and on today's episode, we're going to ask, is marijuana a performance-enhancing drug? You know, is it, as they call it commonly today, a PED? This is something that usually deals a lot more with sports, things like the Olympics, but it can sort of boil into our common lives, because marijuana, I think, st- from the side of stigma has often been considered as a bad thing for the body, right? It makes you dumb, makes you lazy. So it's interesting because if all those things are true, then could it ever really be a performance enhancing drug? So to see if it ever qualifies, we'll take a look at you know what a PED is and at how a couple of the governing bodies deal with cannabis. Uh, to see whether or not they ever think it qualifies. And then, you know, we have a couple of ideas coming from uh, some scientific research, which may show that it might have a chance. So uh, let's unwrap some of this delicious present we have in front of us and start off with a couple of the uh, bodies in which I sort of researched and consulted to get content for this. And that is, you know, the Olympics, who uses a uh, WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, Um, WADA also regulates uh, most of F1's testing for PEDs, and they also seem to preside mostly over FIFA for, you know, a version of international football and testing. So WADA, when I was doing my research, came up a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. Um, Outside of WADA, uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency, I also looked into MMA, who uses a U.S. version of it called USADA, which is the U.S. Anti-doping agency, and I also took a look into esports a little bit and uh, American football, just to see you know if any of them treated cannabis a little differently. And you know I was a little more surprised than I thought I'd be. You know, first starting off with WADA, WADA, you know they are international, they are big, you know Olympics, F1, FIFA. These are all major money makers, and they are all you know sports or actions of sport that are highly attended. So when WADA takes a good old look, uh, WADA really across the board, you know, makes it difficult for anything to get through. And even if in America, cannabis was to be made legal, it would most likely still remain illegal in the world anti-doping agency because, you know, we are one of many nations. You can't really change the rules from that singular position. But generally, since we're talking about PEDs, let's grab a little internet definition so that we can put our arms around exactly what we mean. A performance enhancing drug as medically defined is a substance that is used illicitly, especially to improve athletic performance. So the idea, uh, they have an example here, anabolic steroid or human growth hormone hormone. I think stem cells might also count. These are generally things which are used to help performance by helping the body heal. So I think a lot of times when people think performance enhancing drug They think, you know, somebody's got all their kit on their gear and they're ready to go perform and they pop something in their mouth or they smoke something or what have you, drop it in their eye or inject it into their butt and whatever they put in their body when they are out in the midst of performing is helping fuel them and helping them do the thing they're doing. So in that way. It's like, you know, if you ever watched Popeye cartoons back in the day, Popeye eats spinach like it's a performance enhancing drug. His bicep goes huge and he's able to do better work in that moment. So a lot of times I think we believe PEDs are like eyeglasses where you put them on and they start working immediately. Whereas a lot of the times PEDs are actually secondary, you know, it's not like cocaine or amphetamines or adrenaline where like in the moment it's in you, you are ramped up. PEDs more often than not actually really do their work when you're asleep. You know, they help improve the flow of oxygen. They help cells heal quicker. um, They help tissues repair and muscles repair. So it isn't that it's making you stronger. Like I can pick up 10 more pounds because I snorted this thing. Most PEDs are sort of like I use this thing. And then when I go to sleep at night, I wake up the next day fully ready, fully recuperated and ready to weightlift again. So the amount of work being done between somebody who's using a PD and not is actually very, very similar. You know, you don't get strong taking steroids. You still have to lift fucking weights. And really in the military, some friends of mine who've had military tours say, you know, you'll find performance-enhancing substances constantly. They're not just going to let you fly a plane without taking a go pill, you know, a little methamphetamine to make sure that you don't crash this freaking fighter jet that's worth like 10 mil, 30 mil, whatever amount of millions, you can't really just trust human consciousness alone. So there's many societies which embrace the enhancement of performance. But in what we're talking about, it's a lot more related to sport. So when we're thinking per, uh, performance enhancement in sport, you know, and we're thinking of these substance that substances which are used illicitly, which really means illegally. So a lot of PEDs, as we as I said, are more so for healing. And so when we look at WADA's definition uh, of things that are banned uh, and why they're banned, we really find a list of things which, you know, look pretty much like these healing substances, words that we're very used to seeing and a couple that we're not. So they say things like steroids or anabolic agents in general. They also say things like peptide hormones, growth factors, related substances, and mimetics, which means uh, things that are not approved for use yet um, things which mimic other drugs to sort of hide them, you know, and things that help you grow too much. We have things like beta blockers or I'm sorry, big beta two agonists, which actually is a fancy way of saying like a kid's inhaler for asthma. You know, if you have an issue with breathing, you can introduce something to the body, which helps relax and bronchodilate. And this means when you inhale it, it makes it easier to breathe. Now, if I was just some jacked up dude and I wanted to have myself repair my muscles quicker, I could do so by breathing better, just like a car, you know, more air, more power. But as opposed to it being like I put on a new intake and I'm immediately stronger, it's more the idea that my blood has more oxygen in it because I can take in more oxygen, which means I can heal better at the point that my muscles are all torn up and oxygen is also necessary to metabolize energy in the body. So it helps across the board, but really technically in most inhalers are banned for that same reason. So you think it's great in the mouths of babes. It's horrible when you're using it in a wrestling ring, uh, hormone and metabolic modulators, of course, as you would imagine, sort of taking hormones and then they say diuretics and masking agents. So this is a category of things people use to hide that they've been using drugs that eliminates them. It, you know, gets them out of the test. And so you can use the other substances and then use a diuretic. So sometimes the diuretic shows they've eliminated other substances and you find just the trace diuretic left. And this is really how most anti-doping is pursued. Uh, USADA uses a list like this. WADA uses a list like this. This is kind of the usual way we go about things in doping. Now I did find some interesting things when I looked outside of these two big governing bodies, because in American football, they have actually flipped the script a little bit. You know, there was a large discussion at the beginning of 2020, and in middle of March of this year, um, there was a collective bargaining agreement, as they call it, the CBA, between the players and the organization, and they actually did determine and vote that they were going to eliminate suspensions for marijuana. So in no way were they saying it was performance enhancing, they were more so saying, you know, we're no longer gonna kick people out and act like marijuana is such a big deal Now they're just going to be fined instead of being restricted from play. But it said the fine could be up to three games. So I guess depending on how much weed you smoke, they'll find the perfect number to charge you uh, beyond the deal itself. So I was glad at least to see, you know, American football slowly laxing up. 33 states with some form of access. It's kind of overdue getting caught up with modern history. But also I thought MMA was kind of interesting. MMA uses USADA, um, as I mentioned, and... One of the figures when I researched MMA and cannabis, uh, Nate Diaz, came up big time. And there are some other offenders. You know, you can find some failed drug tests here and there. But, you know, they still don't count as a PED. This is just the idea of using a banned substance. So cannabinoids are often considered banned unless it's CBD. And when I looked into USADA, WADA, and the smaller rules in each of these organizations, actually, they all said CBD is cool. But anything else, THC, any metabolite, that's all violations. It's just banned substances. Not performance enhancing though. So we're still not technically determining whether or not marijuana is one or the other. So then I looked down into international football and I looked at FIFA's rules and just wanted to see exactly if they say anything different than WADA. And they did. They actually said that you know 43% of the failed drug tests with FIFA is for marijuana. So it looks like it's uh, the number one way you're going to fail is usually pot. But they said also that it's more of a social problem than a performance issue because they do not believe that marijuana is taken to increase performance. So in that way, they're saying, you know, if you're high, you're not, you're not going to be a better football player than the guy next to you. They just consider it to be something you shouldn't use. Although CBD is still fine, obviously. So kind of interesting in the language, you know, and they had a pretty good write-up of about a page length talking about elimination, talking about absorption, talking about what role the liver plays and metabolizing it. It was actually, you know, pretty scholarly for the sake of it just being like a, no, you're not allowed, but it went in a little further, which was nice. And then the one area that I was the most ignorant of, I was kind of very interested in because I did play way back in the day with the major league of gaming MLG. Now it's ESL eSports league, I think, um, I looked at the ESL rules for marijuana, and they followed suit. They didn't consider it a performance enhancer, so we didn't get the bid. But they did say that it does seem to interact poorly with gamers. It did talk a little bit in this other side report about how, you know, a lot of gamers may feel that cannabis might actually enhance their ability to perform in certain situations, you know, certain games, certain puzzles where you're stuck. But they said, you know, by and large, because of the amount of motions per minute, how twitchy a lot of esports is nowadays and the communication and the speed of thought, it seems to potentially increase one or two areas of focus and also be a detriment in one or two areas of reaction time and coordinating your motor skills, especially with a mouse, you know, where it really is a game of like millimeters. And they said, you know, the more cannabis you consume, the less likely you're going to perform in these twitchy scenarios. So they really felt that the stress and the specificity of skill in performing in esports, it really does not help. But even if it did or didn't, it's banned anyway. So you're not going to get the chance. So all in all, Olympics, both types of football, F1, MMA, esports, and gaming, it all says that it cannot be a performance enhancer. But it's kind of interesting because at least MMA did go one step further and say that in one of the matches, I believe with Nate Diaz, that they found uh, you know, the amount of marijuana in his system, and the logic they used, although I'm not sure if it really held up, was that because he might have had weed in him, maybe he felt less pain, and that was able to create a higher performance. So they didn't classify it as performance enhancing, but they were just trying to uphold a ruling where he violated uh, you know, one of the banned use substances policies, and they were saying, even though he only had like such a crumb in there, he obviously wasn't high in the moment, they rationalized it out to say, well, Although he wasn't high in the moment, uh, maybe it gave him some, you know, pain relief and some anti-inflammation, and and ibuprofen, I guess, would be considered then because technically it does very similar things that far away from dosing. But you know, Nate Diaz, if you ever look into him, he, as I said, he likes to step his toe over the line, so that's not the first time he attempted to be a little more free than they tell him he's allowed. But again, by and large, it's banned. It's just a bad substance, they don't consider it performance enhancing. But this is where I come in. So I, years ago, thought of this question, you know, well before the podcast, uh, we're probably going back about four years. And it was around at Christmas time. And I thought, you know, this Lumosity commercial keeps freaking playing. uh, And I like video games. I like little teasers and stuff. So as a crossword person, I jumped in and felt like doing these little train your brain, sort of mental exercise sorts of features. And I especially like doing little math games. I'm very, very fast at math. 24 squares, my bitch. And uh, as a result, I was really looking forward to see how I ranked up, you know, see if I can get a little self pride against the internet in my percentile performance in Lumosity. And at that point, I started to realize, you know, performance enhancement really splits into two major categories. You have mental performance, which might be more, I mean, not more, but F1 probably is a lot more mental than physical versus American football, where like, if you're not the right size, you're never going to play. So, you know, depending on what your output is, you know, maybe you're playing pool, maybe in pool, it would make you a little bit better because you think more interestingly, but maybe your angles are off because your eyes are a little hazy. You know, there's more than one feature of what determines performance. So I kind of think the easiest way is we split into two. You have mental and you have physical performance. And with a lot of what they were mentioning on these lists of anti-doping, they're mostly mentioning physical performance modifiers, you know, things which help with body healing, things which help with growth, things that help maybe even in the moment of performance or elimination. But they're not really talking about anything that helps in the brain. You know, They know more oxygen is good for the body, less inflammation is good for the body kind of stuff. But what about in the brain? You know, can you have a mental performance that doesn't show up physically that can still overall contribute? And this is sort of the question at hand. So I joined Lumosity and I ran this test. And for about three to six months, I played Lumosity maybe two or three times a week. But I only did it high as balls. Like I only did it right after rolling a blunt and smoking half to two-thirds of it. Or maybe coming back and smoking the back half and trying a new game. So it was purely a matter of just like I'm very much getting inebriated right beforehand. I'm in the central part of inebriation while I'm playing. And I'm trying to see, you know, is this something that is helping me or hurting me with this mental side of performance? And as I'm able to still access my account, although it's a limited account because I stopped paying for it, uh, they test you in about six major areas or so. Math, problem solving, flexibility, attention, memory, and speed. Then they give you like a total a total of the totals. So a big average just to see what's your like, they call the Lumosity performance index, which is sort of like a graduated scale versus all the other people. So it's not pure science, not like control variables. It's more so just grading on a curve versus all the other registered users. But I felt at least for, you know, my budget at this point in life, this is, this is what I could afford. So let's have some fun. Now I'm a math boy all day. So my math score is very, very high. It was my highest score. And if that's my highest, I look at my problem solving, flexibility, and attention, and they're all pretty much grouped the same. They're about 5% under my math score. So if math is at the top, you go down 5%, you find like the bulk of my other three of my six features, problem solving, flexibility, and attention. But the two that were the most affected, and it's probably not too surprising to the folks out there, are memory and speed. And these are the two areas where it's hardest to prove cannabis having a performance enhancement of the mind because it's kind of hard to remember names or lyrics and sometimes the length of time it takes to remember things or to process information it's a little longer so you're kind of delayed reaction right you might not have gotten the joke as quickly or you got it too quick and didn't realize it was you know making fun of you whatever the case may be it does seem to put people on their heel instead of their toe. Now my memory and speed scores are like three to five percent uh, maybe even a little less than that actually like uh, two to three percent under my other ones so in in no way getting hard tacked but you can see my math was still solid but everything else cognitively did take a little back seat so after three to six months to continue the experiment i then cycled off and i played soberly for like another two months really knowing that i already had set scores and really just kind of comparing a couple of sessions to see are they uh, significantly higher or not. And I can tell you they were, you know, my memory and speed definitely went up my speed. Not so much, you know, it was kind of like a weird test that they use for speed. So I felt like, because I'm not as quick with the number pad, my speed was a little bit slower, but my memory, it was noticeable. You know, I was able to make it, you know, a couple games in past certain limited points because I'm just more awake, aware and alert if I'm sober. But the real interesting thing, because you know, I expected speed and memory to kind of upperform soberly, my other scores didn't really move too much, my basic problem-solving flexibility attention, but my math score actually went down soberly. Not by much, you know, crumbs here and there, but it was actually harder to hit the same score I did when I was high. And to some of you out there, depending on whether or not you like math or hate it, may feel that's kind of a weird outcome, and I did too. Because really, if I'm speed and memory suck, then I won't remember my times tables or my, uh, you know, any of the things that really they send you through between kindergarten and fifth grade, exponents, times tables, easy, quick math that's mental. So because I, I wouldn't imagine I could access that, it was kind of interesting performing math because I felt like here's where I ran into that potential for performance enhancement. My mind was clear as I was doing the math because I I really couldn't pay attention to anything but what I was doing. So in a way, eliminating distractions did create a higher potential for focus. And that in a way did create a performance enhancement because since I was focused, I didn't get stressed when the screen started to fill up with equations that I wasn't solving quick enough. I didn't feel my heart start racing like when Tetris starts going too fast around level eight or nine and it's getting hard to think of where you're gonna put it because it's just hard to use the controls at that point as quickly. So really, when I was using a lot of cannabis, I was able to outperform myself in the math game because I didn't experience the stress and frustration of having to do the activity. I just experienced the activity in a very neutral form. But when I was sober, it was like, oh God, the raindrops are coming down quicker. Oh, it's filling up the screen. Oh, am I going to get ahead of this? And that was something happening while I'm trying to solve equations, which distracted me and cost me some mental performance. So Again, it wasn't like in every area. It went up. But it seemed from the mental side, depending on who you're talking to, you know, you may become more creative or more artistic. As an ex-musician, I definitely could think of better solos if I got a little head full, you know, a little jazz cigarette. And then played because I'm removing some distractions, removing some areas of mental construction. And I'm just letting it flow out. And sometimes that smoothness really beats how quick the sober mind is. It's the classic tortoise in the hare, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So every once in a while, I think the performance enhancement might just be from eliminating other distractions and creating like a hyper-focusing, depending again on the strain and terpenes and all these other things and time of day in biology, but the potential is there and the potential is good enough to chase a little bit sometimes. Now that's more so the mental side of it, right? And I know that, you know, they don't deal with the difference in a lot of these doping agencies, But the real interesting thing I want to leave for the last topic of this episode is the physical side of actual performance enhancement. Because I do believe strongly in this one. I think, again, it's more complex than just yes or no, does it performance enhance? But because the mind can relax a little bit, there's also areas of the body that seem to relax and create the higher potential for performance. But not necessarily competitive performance. But performance in general, I think it can increase. So there is a receptor called your TRPV1. We call it like the TRPV1 receptor. It's a trans-receptor, velanin channel 1 type of situation. But really, if you're going to look it up, look up the capsaicin receptor because it also goes by that name. Just like, you know, cannabinoid receptor for cannabis, capsaicin receptor for capsaicin, which is what makes hot peppers hot. And capsaicin is very specific at the receptor level because it does a couple of very unique things that I noticed from the physical performance side may actually be an enhancement. You know, I rehab some injuries. I think I'm not alone out there in the audience or having been injured or dealing with some type of residual pain from just living an interesting life. And so, you know, when I have to go to the gym, when I have to go rehab, sometimes you're fighting that story mentally and that can create its own obstacle. But then you have a performance physically where I have to lift, I have to focus, I have to, you know, balance on one foot. And even though sometimes being a certain amount of inebriation can make those things harder. Have you ever tried stretching when you're high or sometimes like riding a bike when you're high? It does seem like a couple things are happening and it's all through this capsaicin receptor possibility. So to start off, let's look at the trpv one receptor and think about exactly what it does on a baseline. So the trpv one receptor is responsible for modulation of pain stimulus. It also controls sweating. And some associations with mood stability and mood changes. And it's kind of weird to have a light switch that does all of those things. But it's easy to explain when you think about what happens when you eat a hot pepper. Because if you eat a hot pepper, you run into a host of reactions, and they're not all the same, even though they all seem to relate. You know, the first thing, depending on how hot it is, you're gonna feel inflammation in the surrounding localized area of skin, tongue, throat lips. And certainly if it's hot enough, the skin around your lips will burn and get like beat red, like a fire engine. Then you might have some pain, right? Cause hot peppers can be so hot. It hurts. You know, people experience like physical pain from it and damage. And it can also make you sweat something fierce. Um, sometimes people eat hot food and it kills their appetite. So it might also mess with perception of, you know, willfulness and reward system. Now, when I read that about capsaicin, I wasn't too surprised. You know, that's just hot peppers for most people day one. But when I dug into it, I saw that cannabinoids can go to this receptor and modify its behavior. It can trigger it or change how it functions. And here's a couple of things that happen when you use cannabis. I don't know if you ever ate a hot pepper after you you use cannabis, but oftentimes you can tolerate the heat a lot longer. Spicy things aren't as spicy. Cannabis often has these high anti-inflammation principles to it. Can help vasodilate or bronchodilate if high pinene there, and that can help you breathe a little easier depending on how you take it in. That may help with memory retaining, which actually is the opposite of losing your short term memory, like was happening with me in lumosity. Similarly, when I consume a lot of cannabis and I go out on a really hot day, I don't seem to sweat nearly as much. And this kind of relates back to that hot pepper thing, because if you think about it, if this one switch makes you sweat, it actually scientifically has been shown to make you sweat for several reasons, right? Cause you're stressed, uh, because it's too hot outside, because you've been working out because you eat hot peppers, you know, you stress for many reasons, but it seems to be the same pores letting out, uh, your sweat from that, you know, sweaty stress that you have going out. So as you consider those things, remember, you know, not only are we talking about just the basic cannabinoid receptors, Cannabis can affect other areas. Now, when I'm working out and doing a lot of biking, I realize because I'm not sweating as much, I can bike longer. You know, like a car that doesn't overheat as quickly. Or, you know, I'm able to go outside and run longer because the sun isn't cooking me as quickly. And if my engine doesn't overheat, I don't dehydrate as quickly. I can continue to perform at a higher level. And this is something in the NFL, some running backs have reported that in some of their best plays or their best games or seasons... They were using cannabis as much as they could without being caught because it actually does seem to create less limitation in certain areas. Now, given you might not remember all the state capitals, you might forget where your keys are, but it might make you a little bit better at grabbing that frisbee or running down the field. You know, there are certain specialized areas where we may find an actual benefit. So for me, although mentally, you know, speed and memory are going to be affected, I found physically, There didn't seem to be nearly as much of an issue. You know, if I tuned the right strain, maybe a one-to-one with CBD or something, I could stretch for longer before that burning pain in my quad or my hamstring makes me want to let up and I can go to rehab with a a skip in my step instead of feeling the chip in my shoulder weighing me down. So in a lot of these areas, consider the possibility of performance enhancement because it doesn't seem that it's just one way or the other. It seems we might be able to have our cake and eat it from time to time. You know, competitively, it's tougher, but non-competitively, we may have something here. So I'll leave you folks with that. You know, consider it. It goes beyond just the CB1 and CB2 receptor. You know, there are other things in the body that really helps, and it might be one reason why we can look forward to a very interesting future with cannabis in it. Now, if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please share, subscribe, and like wherever you find this media. I'm still working on phase two, so expect a website and some video support sooner than later. But after the next episode, I'll take a little break so I can get over the hill and make sure i provide all that to you folks however until next time thanks once again for your ear and uh just be kind and get medicated have a good one folks